Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl on today's date, the 24th day of May 2018. Well, this is the last day before we enter Memorial Day weekend. and we get out the other side of Memorial Day, I will basically take stock in how teams are doing. And there is a certain amount of method to that madness to sort of say, we're going to wait. We're not going to evaluate how your team is doing until then. And the reason is, is that, and I've said this before, that Memorial Day is roughly, it's not exactly, but it's roughly the one-third mark of the season. Some teams have played more, some teams have played less, but you've played just about a third of your games. And that's a decent sample size of what kind of team you are, what kind of team you might be, what kind of year you might be having, while still having enough time in the season to turn things around. You know, the The point is that when you get to the uh, trade deadline, which is the last week, the last day of July, then you're basically that's the two thirds mark. That's about you know two months is about a third of the season. And so when you get to the trade deadline, it makes sense there because you have to make the moves to improve your team. So between Memorial Day and the trade deadline, teams have to figure out, they have to have a sense of who they are and what they should do. Because after the trade deadline, that's the team you've got. You could make a big deal like the Adrian Gonzalez deal or the Justin Verlander if a big uh, contract makes it through waivers. But the fact of the matter is this. You get through Memorial Day, you have a general idea of what your team is. Now, a prime example of why I make it a third and not a quarter is because in that space, a lot of stuff can happen. About a quarter of the way through the season was around mid-May. And if you took a look at some teams in mid-May or in that general area, you could think one thing And that time between mid-May and now, a lot of things can change. Teams kind of, you know, there there are laws of averages. There's teams regress to the mean. I can't think of any example that's better than the Arizona Diamondbacks and the absolutely bizarre season that they're having thus far. Now, I'm not saying it's a good season. I'm not saying it's a bad season. But going into this year... I felt that the Diamondbacks, who had a wonderful ending of the season last year, they wound up getting they wound up winning the wild card game against the Colorado Rockies, and they wound up getting swept by Los Angeles in the division series. They lost JD Martinez, uh, and I felt like, do you know what? This was a ninety some odd win team last year, and I have a feeling they're going to regress a little bit. I think they'll have a winning. I thought they were going to have a winning season, but I didn't think they were going to be as good. I actually had more faith in the Rockies than I did in Arizona. Well, when the season began, remember the Red Sox got off to that great start, then the Yankees got off to that spectacular run. But the Diamondbacks were right there with them. Let's go, I mean, on May 8th, on May 8th, the Diamondbacks won a game right down the 110 at Dodger Stadium. They beat the LA Dodgers. In a 12-inning game, Arizona won the game 8-5. to 
At that point, they had played seven games against L.A. and had won six of them. So head-to-head, they were kicking the snot out of the L.A. Dodgers. And if they had won, they they won the first game of that two-game set at Dodger Stadium. If they won the next game, they would be May 9th, they would have a 10-game lead. They, they, They got it as far as like a nine-game lead. They had a chance to push them 10 games back, which is an embarrassing result for the Dodgers. As a whole, I mean, they were kicking the snot out of the Dodgers. As a whole, the Diamondbacks were 24-11, and and they were only one game behind the Yankees and the Red Sox for the best record in baseball. And they looked like a team that said, oh my God, this team is just looking amazing. They're clobbering everybody. And they had a 686 winning percentage at that point, which meant they were on pace to win 111 games. Now, does anyone think the Diamondbacks were going to win 111 games? No, but you said, look it, even if they regress a little bit, this is still a team that has the talent to win 90-some-odd games. They had a a positive 37 run differential. And what made the start so scary to the rest of the National League is that they were doing it without a good start from Paul Goldschmidt, the perennial MVP candidate, who at that point was only batting 226 and his OPS was 775. There was nothing stellar about that. And Zach Grinke also was not getting off to a great start. So if you told me the Diamondbacks were going to get off to the best start in the National League, be neck and neck with the best record of baseball, and and there was room to improve because of Paul Goldschmidt and Grinke started playing up to their level, there's a thought of, whoa, this could be a really special year for the Diamondbacks. Sometimes a team gets off to such a rousing start that even if they have a slump, like the Houston Astros did, like the Los Angeles Dodgers did last year. Both of those teams got off to what looked like historic starts. Then they had a few bumps in a road along the way, but in the end, each of them won over 100 games, and they met up in the World Series. That's what this Diamondbacks team looked like. Wow, they're going off to such a great start that even if they have a few bumps in the road, this is, looks like the team to beat, especially when you consider how poorly... The Dodgers were starting, how lackluster the Cubs were starting, how the, the Nationals couldn't really quite get out of their way, and you got to see some teams that really shouldn't be contending. The Pirates were rebuilding. Phillies were rebuilding. Braves were rebuilding. And all of a sudden, they're at or near the top of the standings. It looked like the Diamondbacks were going to be the team that just munch, munch, munched on a weird year in the National League. And so, what has happened since then? Since that day, May 8th, when, which was roughly right around the one-quarter mark of the season, the Diamondbacks win that extra inning game against L.A., were ready to give the knockout punch. What has happened since then? Well, the Dodgers have not exactly been world beaters. In the 14 games since then, they're 7-7. Seven and seven. And they remain five games under 500. So the Dodgers are not exactly, haven't exactly done a great job of recovering. But the Diamondbacks, since that game in LA, have been the worst team 
in baseball. And frankly, it hasn't even been close. They have played 14 games since then and lost 13 of them, including a really sloppy game yesterday in Milwaukee where outfielders were overrunning balls, pitchers couldn't throw, find the strike zone. It was just a, I saw a part of it. It was just a mess. This team looked like it was, you know, you're priming for a postseason appearance. You're priming for maybe a pennant. And then last year, it, they, looked, they looked like a Little League team. They got off to an early lead, and then the Brewers stomped them. And it wasn't just the home runs. It was the walks. It was the fielding and everything. They looked bad. It, you know, they have lost some one-run games. They have lost some walk-off games. So when those happen, you, you attribute that to chance. A bounce here, a bounce there. Those could have been wins. But their run differential during this span has been negative 35. It was positive 37 before. That's almost a 180-degree turnaround. Easy for you to say. And forget being 24 and 11. They're now only one game above 500. They're going to play an A's team who has been playing teams really, really tough. A surprising A's team. They're going into Oakland. If they lose that series, lose two out of three games to Oakland, then we're looking at the Diamondbacks as a 500 team at the first checkpoint. Think about that. You've gone from, my God, they could run away with the National League to, eh, they're mediocre. They're the definition of mediocrity, which is 500 ball. Now, they trail the Rockies. They've fallen out of first place. They, have trailed the, they trail the Rockies by half a game, and they are tied in the loss column. But the National League West, which they looked like they had a chance to just maybe make a total joke of after the first month and week of the season, all of a sudden, not only are they trailing the Rockies by half a game, the Giants are two games back in the lost column. And they've allowed the Dodgers, who they could have administered a humiliating 10-game gap to, the Dodgers are only three games out in the lost column for first place. Three games in the lost column. In other words, as horrible a start as the Dodgers had and as spectacular a start as Arizona had, we're approaching the checkpoint and the Dodgers are right in it. With all the injuries, missing Turner, missing Kershaw, all the things that were nightmarish about the Dodgers' start. Nothing could go right. And they are in complete control with a few wins and a few Diamondbacks losses and the sprinkle a few Rockies losses here and there to coming through Memorial Day and say, yep, we're in it. We're in it. This has been a bizarre year for the Diamondbacks, and we're not quite at the one-third spot. You know, even the Padres, who are nine games under five hundred only trail Arizona-Colorado by six games in the loss column. Now, that's because the West has regressed back to basically being slightly above 500 means you're in first place. I don't think the Padres are going to do piddly-poo. But it sure looked like the Diamondbacks were ready to have a dynamic season around the one-quarter mark. And now here we are.
Now, A.J. Pollock has been injured, but you can't put the slump, put all the blame of the slump on his absence. I mean, they lost the last six games that he played before injured. But Paul Goldschmidt has just been awful. Awful. I mean, I, I said what his numbers were before. It was 226 and a 775 OPS, and those are mediocre. In the last two weeks, he's batting 143. His OPS is 536. His career OPS is 919. To give you an idea, a good, a good all-round hitter hits in the 800s. A terrific all-round hitter hits in the 900s. The Mike Trouts of the world hits in the 1000s. If your OPS is below 600 and your job is to become an MVP caliber slugger, that's horrific. You'd expect those kind of numbers from a pitcher. And what's happened is the intense slump by Goldschmidt and the injury to A.J. Pollock has forced the Diamondbacks to start players who should not be starting. He should not be starting. Jared Dyson can't hit. Cattell Marte, who has been mired in a horrible slump this whole season. Chris Owings is starting in the major leagues. And during this slump, his average has been 088 and his OPS is 227. Let me explain. In OPS, you're adding your on-base and your slugging. And 200 is the adding of those two numbers. That as a single number for on-base or slugging is horrible. Adding them together is, oh, we got to send you to the minors. And he's starting. And the pitching, I mean, it's not been great. I mean, Patrick Corbin is a usually a reliable pitcher. He's had a couple bad starts. Zach Godley, who's a very talented pitcher, has been awful. You know, Zach Grinke has been okay. His last start wasn't very good. But he's got the only win that they've had in their last 14 games. Practically the only pitcher who's the only player in the Diamondbacks who's playing well is closer Brad Boxberger. But guess what? When you're the closer and you're not winning games, you're not getting into a lot of games. Now, as I said, if you told me at the beginning of the year that the Diamondbacks would be contending just above 500, I would have said, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I thought the team was going to take a step back, especially after losing J.D. Martinez, but still contend. If I told you that they would lose Pollock to an injury, had a slump in Goldschmidt, then yeah, the 25 and 24 record they have right now is, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now, had the Diamondbacks started 1-13, this is when these perceptions of a season become clear. When you start off like a house of fire, you start thinking that's what the team is. They're a team that's having a great year. If the Diamondbacks had started the season 1-13, then people would say, should they fire the manager? What the hell is going on? They had, a, they had a situation like that in Cincinnati. Granted, that was a team that had no expectations. But if they started 1-13 and then stampeded to go above 500 before Memorial Day, you'd say, oh, that's terrific. Look at that. Look at the way they're going. I mentioned last year, both Houston and Los Angeles got off to terrific starts, and then around two-thirds of the way through the season, they had terrible slumps. 
And those were absorbed. If you ask someone, how was Houston's year last year? Well, they won 101 games and won the World Series. They had a great year. How was Los Angeles's year last year? Well, they won 103 games, ran away with the National League West, and they wound up winning the pennant. And those terrible slumps that they had were completely absorbed. You don't remember them. Now the Diamondbacks have it relatively early in the year, this terrible slump that makes you wonder, geez, are they a terrific team? Are they a terrible team? Or are they a 500 team? And as I said, they're about to face Oakland. And after they face Oakland, they're going to play Cincinnati and Miami. Hopefully, if you're a Diamondback fan, that'll mean a few wins. But then again, L.A. went to play Cincinnati and Miami thinking they would get off the mat. And Cincinnati and Miami killed them. But if Arizona wins a couple of series, they get right back into the mix and you know maybe sneak ahead of Colorado or hang out with them, then you can enter June with a team being a contender and a chance to take a look at what they are. Now, they are a team that is, has lost one of their best hitters in A.J. Pollock and is having their best, you know, their, their MVP, their franchise player, mired in a season-long slump. They need a bat. Arizona needs a bat, big time. Now, they could take the route that they did last year when they acquired J.D. Martinez, and that worked out great. J.D. Martinez is a really smart, good, all-around hitter. And he fit perfectly into their lineup, and he gave them that big spark that they needed that pushed them over the top and into 90-win territory and the wild-card game and eventually the division series. Now, they lost J.D. Martinez to free agency, but maybe they can do a similar move this year. Maybe this is what they have to do. Because maybe having a new hitter in their lineup could spark everything else. You can't have guys whose OPS is 227 starting in a major league lineup when you have expectations of winning a division. Especially with the Dodgers... You know, even though they're only, what, three games out of the loss column, they're still playing losing baseball. This is a chance to take advantage of a down year from L.A. (sighs) You know, but, you know, the fact that this could be a similar year for the National League as we saw in 2007, where the teams that you expected to be big-time contenders that year kind of all fell especially the uh, defending world champion Cardinals and the Dodgers both fell far short of their expectations. And what happened was you basically had a free-for-all. And that ultimately resulted in the Diamondbacks having the best record in the National League that year, despite having a negative run differential. And the Colorado Rockies came out of nowhere to go to the World Series. This is starting to smell like that's what this National League's going to be. It's going to be a bit of a scrum And you're looking around and said, I don't quite know who's going to make it out of here. And with that being the case, a team like the Diamondbacks, who got off to a great start, have talent and such a glaringly obvious need right now, should take care of it sooner rather than later. Because a game here or a game there could be the difference between winning your division, playing the wildcard game, or going to play golf. Could the Diamondbacks be players in the Manny Machado sweepstakes? I doubt it because it would cost a couple of precious, really good prospects. But if you take a good look at the Diamondbacks' farm system, most of their best prospects aren't major league ready right now. 
you know, the, no doubt the Orioles are going to want to have at least one major league ready prospect and hopefully two, you know, if they're going to trade away their franchise player and not say, hey, we got three or four players who will be here in two or three years. That would be a tough sell. Very tough sell, especially when you have some other teams whose, you know, the farm systems are flourishing. So, I, I mean, look, at I, I, I would like to see the Diamondbacks make a run at Manny Machado because, first of all, he would fit in perfectly. Any position he wants to play in, put him in because no one's hitting well enough to justify their spot in the, in the lineup. But, you know, would Adam Jones make more sense? He's going to be a free agent, and the Orioles, you know, he's not going to come back to the Orioles, and so the Orioles might as well get something for him. I was thinking maybe Josh Donaldson, especially if the Blue Jays fall further into contention. Now, Donaldson, like Goldschmidt, is not off to a great start, but maybe the proverbial change of scenery, the proverbial, hey, let's get out there and play for a contender, could ignite him. Also, the fact that if he gets traded in midseason, that improves his free agent value because he can't have a draft pick assigned to him. So he can go out there and, and teams won't be scared away of the draft pick associated with him that kept so many quality players like J.D. Martinez and, uh, well, not Martinez, he didn't have the draft pick, but uh, Jake Arrieta, for example, or Mike Moustakis could not find a home because of the draft pick assigned to him. Well, Donaldson wouldn't have that to worry about, so maybe that'll, he said, hey, I got a big paycheck I'm playing for. I don't know. Money is a hell of a motivator. But, you know, the Dimebacks don't have a lot of hope just floating above the surface, you know, right there in the minor leagues. And they brought up Socrates Brito, which is a great name. I would love to see Socrates Brito. I think that's how you pronounce his last name to be a, a young outfielder to stick in there. And who knows? He may give him a spark. They got some pitchers like Taylor Clark who aren't exactly ready. So it's not like they have a ton of young players ready to come up. So they need to make some sort of a move. And look it. There's a window of opportunities for teams to contend. For big market teams, it can last a long time. For smaller revenue teams, it's not going to last as long a time. So you, it may not be fair, but that's reality. And sometimes you have a team that plays that window of opportunity perfectly, like Kansas City, who had a minuscule opening and squeezed two trips to the World Series and a title out of it, and gave a lifetime of memories for a new generation of fans. This is a window of opportunity that the Diamondbacks have. And the Diamondbacks have had a very strange postseason history. They've been around for 20 years now. And in their two decades, they've had four different incarnations of playoff teams. Think of that. You had the original one, which was bringing in Randy Johnson and all these veterans. And then you had the team, you know, that squad that won the division in 99, won one of the greatest World Series of all time in 2001, and made the playoffs again in 2002. You had that sort of, hey, we're just going to get as many big-time veterans as possible and sort of win wearing those purple uniforms. That's one. Then they broke that team up. You know, that, that was 2002, they made the playoffs. Then they slumped. And by 2007, they were back wearing the red uniforms. And this was that bizarre team with Brandon Webb and Tony Clark and Eric Burns. And they had the best record in the National League despite a negative run differential. Then that team got broken up. And then 2011, they're back. 
And this was the Justin Upton-led team that nearly made it back to the National Championship Series, but lost to Milwaukee. And then that team got broken up. And now you have this one in the worst uniforms in all of baseball, which are almost beautiful in their ugliness, who made the postseason last year and have dreams of it this year. In order for this squad to win a pennant, they have to act now. And I mean now, so they can have this improved lineup for two-thirds of the season rather than one-third. It looks so easy for the Diamondbacks this April and so hard so far in May. They may not have Goldschmidt for much longer. His contract's running out. And the signing of Grinky away from L.A. was such a, I forgive this term, such a ballsy move that they swiped him away from L.A. that if it yielded Arizona a pennant, especially at the Dodgers' expense, it would be a glaring, it would be just be this huge, huge success for Arizona. So they need a bat. They need a bat because the chain reaction of that could be this team winning an extra game or two. And when everyone's going to be bunched in together, as it looks like the National League's going to be, I mean, the main thing I'm going to say when I take a gander at the National League this year is that there's never been a better opportunity for an unlikely pennant winner in the National League than this year. This year could be the most wide-open pennant we've seen since 2007 for the National League. And with that in mind, every win counts. It's a strange year for Arizona. And of course, they don't you know, get the attention for this side or the other thing. I don't care about any of that. They're an interesting team. And they're a team that can look like world beaters and look like little leaguers. Which means they're an okay team. And okay is probably not good enough to make the postseason, but pretty good would. So find a veteran bat and see what the chain reaction that would be, Arizona. You've got some really, really ugly uniforms that need to be on display this October. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. You can be old school. Send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talking Diamondbacks before Memorial Day weekend. This has been Sully Baseball for the 24th day of May, 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.